This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome into Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are here till 11 a.m. Open for business and your calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet us if you're out to brunch, hungover, trying to recover from St. Patrick's Day. Happy March Madness as it hits Chicago. The Loyola Ramblers in the Sweet 16, Abdallah. Yeah, we're all Ramblers. We were out yesterday for St. Patrick's Day. The entire bar going nuts. Everybody excited for a team in Chicago making it to the Sweet 16. They'll face the winner of Nevada and Cincinnati, and you'll hear that later on today right here on ESPN 1000. But an amazing shot yesterday. Two game-winning shots from the Ramblers. A great Overall tournament day, you had the Michigan game late, you had the Loyola game early, a lot of good games uh, for the tournament. Hopefully that continues today. Like if yesterday was good, I don't want today to be like a letdown when we're all sitting at home hungover watching yes, keep uh, it up. basketball. So yeah, but no, a great win for the city and a great win for Loyola and Porter Moser gets it done again. We will talk to Amon Brennan from The Athletic at 9.30. More college basketball conversation at 10.10. We will talk with Michael Lee from Yahoo about the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. But we start the 9 o'clock hour with the Chicago Hot List. As we take a look at the top stories in Chicago sports this morning, and yeah, the Bulls played and some other things going on, Cubs, Sox, and spring training, but it's all about the Ramblers as they head to the Sweet 16. Custer in the backcourt. Here he comes across the timeline, 8 seconds. Custer dribbling right. Custer stops, fires a 15-footer, bounces, and it goes! It went in! 3.6 seconds left. Schofield to inbound, in the bone, on the run, into the front court. top of the key three at the buzzer. No! And Loyola wins! The Ramblers win it! On to the Sweet 16! Here come the Loyola players again, racing onto the court to celebrate. Clayton Custer, the Missouri Valley Player of the Year, hits the biggest shot of the season for Loyola. And the boys from Chicago have a 30th win. Loyola rambles on to the Sweet 16. You can hear every game of the NCAA tournament right here on ESPN 1000, including Loyola's next matchup in the Sweet 16. You can hear all the games starting at 11 o'clock today right here on ESPN 1000. Clayton Custer hits that jump shot with three seconds left. The Ramblers trail by one. He hits the game winner going to his right. Rise, fire, off the front of the rim, in. The Ramblers on to the Sweet 16. Here's Clayton Custer about how he worked hard all year. Coach Porter Moser had this team ready for moments like this. Coach put me in a position to, to make a play at the end, and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, the only thing I can say is um, 
glory to God for that one. I mean, the ball bounced up on the on the rim, and, and, and I got a good bounce like that. But uh, the only thing I could think about after the game was, is that that's all the hard work that you put in to, to get in a situation like this, and all those hours of waking up early in the morning and working out, and for all that hard work to come up to that lucky bounce is worth it. And I think all the hard work, um, the basketball gods helped that one go in, and uh, I'm just super. Uh, blessed to be in this in this situation right now outstanding finish back-to-back games for the ramblers and abdallah really throughout the game loyola was in control until the final couple minutes so loyola led by 10 points with four minutes uh left in the game and by five with two minutes left in the game the ramblers failed to score on three straight possessions allowing tennessee to take a one-point lead before Custer hit that shot with two minutes left. They led by five. There was a, a, a turnover uh, with a minute 23. They led by two. Towns missed the layup with 35 seconds left. They led by two. Jackson had another turnover. And then with three seconds left, they trailed by one. That was when the game-winning jumper came. And then the they had to go back and play defense. Tennessee didn't have any timeouts. So they had, not only was Custer on the ground after hitting that three-point shot to put them ahead, Bars everywhere are going nuts. He doesn't know that, obviously, but <laughs> he doesn't know that. He has to get back up. The whole team has to get back and play defense for about five seconds. And then you just, it looked like with two minutes left, it just looked like the moment almost got too big for them. But, you know, a couple timeouts called Porter Moser, reels them in, everything is good. They end up winning. And it just, after the game was over, you saw that mo- it was more disbelief, really, that they beat. Tennessee because everybody kind of had them winning the first game you know like that was a that was a sexy uh, 11 over a six matchup you yeah know the I committee mean? does this right yeah. like they put teams that have a chance like they're the 11th seed okay but a lot of people looked at the metrics and they're like yeah but Loyola is a better team mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily an underdog in this game but Yesterday, beating Tennessee, Tennessee on paper should have been the better team. They were a five and a half point favorite, Tennessee was, and Loyola obviously not only covered, they won the game, and now they face the winner of Cincinnati and Nevada. It's just a matter of whether or not the, the quote, magic can, can, can continue because you see teams like Loyola, we've seen it with, you know, Northwestern last year. We'll probably see it today with, um, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UNBC. The Retrievers. Yeah, the, the, the Retrievers. retrievers yeah. Yeah, Let's stick ca- with the Retrievers. Young Money Cash Money. Yes. Um, Reality sets in, and the cream usually rises to the top, and it was supposed to be with Tennessee beating Loyola. Now, if Nevada beats Cincinnati today, the Ramblers got a shot. I mean, Nevada's the seventh seed. That's not, you know... I'm not saying that I I watch a lot of Nevada basketball or Cincinnati basketball or Loyola basketball, for that matter. Great. You just really sold this segment by just, I'm just outing your credentials you, no, like but that. But I'm just telling you that Fantastic. Now, with, with, with Virginia <laughs> being out. Can't wait for more of Abdallah's thoughts on the Ramblers. With the number one seed being out in that in that side of the bracket, yeah. Cincinnati, quote, being the best team left, the way Loyola plays basketball, the way they play defense, the way they can shoot and go on runs, it's going to be they want to keep it low scoring. It was in the 60s yesterday. That's kind of what they want to do. And they are a team that's kind of built for these tournament settings. Keep it close, and let's try to win the game in the last two, three minutes of the game. Game-winning shots in the final 10 seconds in consecutive NCAA games since 1979. In 85, Memphis did it. In 2013, Ohio State did it. In 2014, the Kentucky Wildcats did it. And now, 2018, Loyola 
Back-to-back games, game-winning shots in the final 10 seconds. They will now play in the Sweet 16. Here's Porter Moser after the game on how he built the program up at Loyola. It was tough. It's been a grassroots rebuild. Everything from, you know, a couple hundred people at games to during games you could walk through. I remember my family members said they'd walk through the student union and more people in the student union than in the arena. It was... um, at the bottom of the Horizon League, and, and uh, which is a good league, and, uh, and then we moved to the Missouri Valley, and uh, it's just—it's been a grassroots rebuild, and I'm blessed that Loyola University, the administrators, the fan bases—they were steadfast on how I was saying I was going to do it with good kids, good people. We weren't going to bend on the academic reputation. All our kids graduate. We got high character kids. And it was credit to them. And in this day and age, because I know fan bases all over want it so fast. And it's hard. It's hard to have a rebuild because you got to get your kids in there to recruit, you know, and you're not going to hit on the first recruiting class. Everyone's like, well, the second year they better win. Well, your first recruiting class is a freshman, you know. So it takes time to get those kids to where your recruiting class comes in and your older kids are like, this is how our culture is. And I'm blessed that, that the university had the same vision. And this is the vision. I said it so many different places I spoke. I go, can you imagine, you know, getting into the NSA tournament, advancing? Can you imagine our university or Chicago? And uh, I'm from the Chicago area. I just kept on pounding that vision. And uh, I've had a great coaching staff. My coaching staff is an extension of, of everything we're doing. And it isn't just one person. It isn't just me. It is an absolute wide stretch of people at Loyola that has had this vision to do it the right way with a good foundation of great kids, great student athletes. And that was Porter Moser after the game. And Abdallah, you know, the conversation we were having last hour, if you're just joining us, was about, you know, look at the way we love basketball in this city, the city of Chicago. High school basketball games packed. We love going out to high school basketball games. We are known across the country as a basketball city. The Chicago Bulls, in a year that they are intentionally trying to lose, lead the attendance in the NBA. People are going out, spending hard-earned money to watch NBA basketball. Yet, for some reason, we're wait and see when it comes to our college basketball programs. There are many gyms across the city that have college basketball where they're half empty. You know, people are timid to go out and watch college basketball. And that was a conversation we were having last hour. Yeah, and I said the reason is, well, you've got an NBA team in a destination city. We're a major market. We're where people come to vacation from all over the world in Chicago. And part of that is, in the winter, going to see a Bulls game. For example, yesterday, the Cavs are in town. They got in today. They went out Friday night. Oh, clearly. Yeah. And so what people love coming to Chicago, when you do that, part of it is if you come in the summer, you go to a Cubs game. If you come in the winter, you go to a Bulls game. That's just how it is. Okay. I don't and, think you can point to tourism to the fact that they're leading the league in attendance. I think you can point to the fact that they're not as bad as people thought they were going to be. And well, there's know, a lot of sea red nation yeah. that just like going for they're the like hamburgers. Going to game. And then if you look at the high school scene in the city, we have championship caliber high school teams in Chicago. A lot of CPS teams are very, very good. And you see a lot of the kids that go to these major programs, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases of the world come from chicago it's just a problem that the local colleges can't recruit these even illinois has a problem 
recruiting the local talent. I think that's the problem is if you had these kids that that came to these schools that could take them on a run in the NCAA tournament, they go to these these big programs because they know they have a chance to win a national championship before when they're one and done. I'm going to college for a year because you're making me and I'm going to try to win a championship while I'm there. Okay, so Loyola, Northwestern, UIC, DePaul, why is it wait and see with these basketball programs in the city of Chicago? We'll take your calls on it at 312-332-3776. And before we get into that, Abdel, and that conversation, I want to play one more piece of tape here on the Chicago Hot List for you. Because really, it's, yes, the Ramblers are heading to the Sweet 16. The players on the court are important. Yes, Clayton Custard, big shot. Yes, Porter Moser, superstar in the making in the college ranks, right? You're, you're important. Y'all are important. Uh, there's one person who is more important than all of you, who's probably a bigger star than all of you, Sister Jean. Here's Sister Jean after the game as the Ramblers are heading to the Sweet 16. Sister Jean, I want to get right to it. How did you motivate these guys in your pregame prayer? Well, I told them we were going to win, that we could do it, and that God would be on our side, and we we're just going to do it today to keep calm and to... Uh, just put into play everything that coaches taught them to do. Now, I have a hard question for you because the guys, Clayton Custer, the players, they told me they found out about your bracket and that you had them go into the Sweet 16, but then they're losing there. So so what's the what's going on there? I, I just thought they wouldn't go to the Sweet 16, and, and now we may even go more than that. So you'd prefer if your bracket was wrong? We just go one game at a time, though. And so we'll go to the Sweet 16 now. Great. I like that mindset. Congratulations to you and your school, and I, I hope they bust your bracket. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Ross Gold on Wooday with the tough questions for Sister Jean after yeah, the win. Sister Jean is like, listen, girl, one game at a time. Why you got to put it out in the streets like that that I got them losing? <laughs> People don't need to know about Sister Jean's bracket. Sister Jean is there for Loyola and Loyola purposes only. And I said we want to win the big W up there, and we did. Hey, Sister Jean, who do you have today in the uh, 13-5 mashup between West Virginia and Marshall? I don't care. Oh, thank God. I don't care. Why are you making it spicy for her? <laughs> That's not cool. She is so cute. Even You can hear it in it's the interview. adorable. Even Sister Jean was like, yeah, well, one game at a time. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up about my bracket. Let's move on. Oh, Shut up. Just outstanding. <laughs> like, it, it, it's tough to almost not cry. Like happy tears every time you see her being well, interviewed. She's so player, sweet. The players are celebrating with each other, and then their first move is to yeah. go over and hug Sister Jean. She's like a member of the team. It's yeah, great. she's outstanding. And you know, if you're un, uh, if you're not familiar with the story, she writes them emails after every game about what they did well, what they didn't do well, things they should work on. That's so cute. Like she's she, she's incredible. That's so cute. Like I wish she lived on my block. Like, I wish Sister Jean was on my, one of my neighbors. That'd be great. Listen, my grandmother's past. She could be my grandmother. She's everyone's grandmother. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she could be She could be all of our grandmothers. I want emails from Sister Jean. She can't technically be a grandmother, though, right? No, yeah, because she's a sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So she can be our, our friend. De facto. But she could, you can she be our grandmother our without being, being our grandmother. I'm not. See, I'll she tell you this right now, friend. Sister Jean. If you're our friends, we're not going to put it out in the streets who you've got Loyola losing to in the next round. All right, okay? be nice about Sister Jean. I am. I'm you're, mad. You're getting a little worked up here. No. A little worked up. <laughs> All right, that's the Chicago Hot List right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. This is Chicago's game day. So let's talk about this, Abdallah. Why are we so wait and see in this basketball crazy town with our college basketball programs? I mean, it, the tickets are available. They're not unreasonable. You can go watch good college basketball in this city. Yet we'd rather spend our money on the Chicago Bulls, which I get it. It's an NBA team and high school basketball, which we support with a fever pitch. But yet there is not the same support when it comes to college basketball. Your wife went to Loyola. My sister went to Loyola. Her husband went to Loyola. Everyone we know went to Loyola. How many Loyola people? Yeah, we like, know. you know, Jeff Miller, who works here, he went to Loyola. Like yeah. everyone went to Loyola. Why are people not supporting? Basketball teams in this city, you know, last year we saw the bandwagon support with Northwestern. Uh This year now we're seeing it with Loyola. Why isn't it there to begin with with teams in this state, in this city, for the college basketball program? You have to be good. We go years without teams from Illinois making the tournament. Like, that's a problem. You need to be in. There's a reason that the Duke, that Duke has the crazies that go to all the games and they're all, they're standing the entire game and doing the, oh, and they yell the entire time. What are they doing? Oh, you know, when you listen to a college basketball game, that's how you know it's, it's uh, college basketball season. You just hear, you're at, you turn on TV and all you hear is, oh, cause they're just yelling the whole time. You know, you, you go, you call no, games for UIC. Yes. Do you, is that the atmosphere at a UIC game? Uh, hopefully it will be. Okay, hopefully it will be. But yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, the student body, it, it's tough to get them out. It, you know, it's it's a nice arena. The UIC Pavilion, come out and watch some exciting basketball. But for some reason, the student body is, is you know, in the student union, like Porter Moser was talking about after the game, is that it's surprising that people don't come out even when they're on campus. Well, if they, look, I know that Loyola is good now, but they haven't been good enough to make the tournament in the past. They are now, but you have to have sustained success. Look at Northwestern. Yeah. Perfect example. You have to have sustained success. You can't go to the tournament and have the run like you did last year and then not perform this year. You have you need sustained success to in order to build because Northwestern sold a ton of season tickets after last year's success. They sold a bunch of people were going to their games. It's a good place. You can take your kids to those games because it's not like going to an NBA game. It's not expensive. It's cheap for the whole family. Everybody can go to a college basketball game, right? My point is that they didn't perform this year. They're not in the tournament this year. They right, so we'll really see what happens after. So we'll see what happens to Loyola. Loyola needs to capitalize on well, this you and know, also be good next year. Here's the thing with basketball. Uh, just like pizza, even bad basketball is still basketball, and it's still great. Bad pizza is still pizza, and still awesome to have pizza. Look, I'll watch a matchup between the Browns and, and another bad NFL team before right. I'll watch two bad basketball teams. Yeah, like, but basketball is still basketball. Look, Basketball's I'll watch great. two worst NBA teams before I watch college basketball. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. This is Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000. If you want to join the conversation... Why is this city so wait and see with the college basketball programs? 312-332-3776. First up, Ted in University Village. Ted, why do you think that's the reason? Uh, you know, I don't have an answer for that, but I wanted to put a plug in for going to these college games. I've got two boys. We go to, we've been to all the arenas except the new DePaul arena. And uh, they're all nice places to watch games. It's like you guys have said, you can see these games for peanuts. You know, under twenty bucks to get a ticket at UIC. You can sit where you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a pep band, there's cheerleaders, there's dance girls. They're doing something at every timeout. Um, and 
you guys were talking about how they're not the cream of the crop national basketball players, but these kids are they're really good basketball players. They're they're some of you know they're the best kid on each high school team, and so it's pretty high level basketball. No, it's a great call, Ted, and and you know that's why it's surprising to me that we will go to high school games. We will go to the UC to watch the Bulls, who are intentionally trying to lose, leading the league in attendance, mm-hmm. yet we won't go and spend five, ten bucks to go watch uh, Loyola, Northwestern, DePaul. Well, DePaul's a, a little bit of UIC a Flames because their games are not at their facility. So, like, you can't get DePaul kids. You mean to Northwestern? Stro- and, and, and DePaul. DePaul's is in their brand new stadium well, that yeah, they just built. Yeah, but it, this is the first in year. In the loop. Yeah, this South is, Loop. South Loop. Where's DePaul? In the loop. Nope. Yes, sir. There are, there are one, DePaul buildings in the two, loop. I know. I went there. There's two Ooh, DePaul buildings. Angry. There's two DePaul right. buildings. Where's DePaul? It's on the north side. It's in Lincoln Park. Well, Put the arena there. Put the arena Are you saying that kids. that new Wintrust Arena is not conducive for getting students to their building? Not if I got to take two trains to get there or something like that. Have you been down there? No. It's it's not the easiest to get to. No, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. Put the arena where the school is. How hard is that? To, I just look. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, you, do you do we have to go into the fact that the cost of living up there and how hard it is to buy building space and to buy the builder oh. arena? I mean, I know how much it costs. Trust me. Y'all can build an arena. Had your dad paid it off yet? That's the question. I, only, I didn't go for a full year, so uh, because of that reason. So I went, and it was uh, it was real expensive. And where's the support for the Columbia uh, College basketball? Oh, wait, what's we our, didn't have a. What's our mascot? Game. The Coyotes. We went to Columbia. No, were we really Coyotes yeah. for the uh, for the intramural squads? Yes. What? No, that's not a thing. Yes, what are you talking about? No, intramurals. That's not real. It is a real what's, thing. What does the intramural tournament look like? I don't know, but we had an intramural squad for baseball. I know that. Flag football? And they were the Columbia Coyotes. The more you know. There you go. I went there and I didn't know that. Yeah, well, there you see. That's why I'm here. To give you useless Columbia College information. I was a blue demon for two quarters. All right, so we will continue to talk college basketball. Amon Brennan from The Athletic will join us. Breaking down all the games today and the teams getting to the Sweet 16 yesterday, including Loyola. We will talk about that coming up next. If you want to join the conversation, 312-332-3776. Why is college basketball such a wait-and-see thing here in the city of Chicago? Black and Abdallah, Chicago's game day, coming back right here on ESPN 1000. We talk with Eamon Brennan on college basketball coming up, but first, Sports Center. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi, developing story. Kansas State leading scorer Dean Wade might not be available for today's matchup against the ultimate Cinderella UMBC in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Wade missed Friday's win over Creighton with a foot injury. Said he felt better yesterday, but his movement still limited. With those retrievers of UMBC and Loyola Chicago, the South region has produced plenty of upsets so far in this year's big dance. Another could come in the Nevada-Cincinnati matchup today, according to ESPN college basketball analyst Sean Farnham. Look at Nevada. They got 28 wins and they got dudes. They got guys that were high major transfers. The Martin Twins, Caleb and Cody, Kendall Stevens, coming from Purdue. These guys are not going to be walking out on the floor against Cincinnati like some guys from Nevada going, oh my gosh, right. It's a big conference team. I don't know if we're ready. They're going to be ready to go. John Farnham, two of the hottest teams in the NBA on the court today. Raptors 
go for a franchise record 12th straight win when they welcome the Thunder. The Trailblazers, winners of 12 in a row, are at the Clippers. Fines coming likely the way of Pelicans coach Alvin Jetsky and Pistons coach Stan Van Gundy for criticizing the officiating. Gentry angered about New Orleans point guard Drew Holiday called for a foul last night while Houston's James Harden was shooting a three. Gentry eventually beat up for arguing. Meanwhile, Van Gundy called the officiating in the Portland game embarrassing for the referees as well as the league. Golf, Henrik Sensen sits at the top of the leaderboard at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Rory McIlroy is two back. Tiger Woods is five off the lead. Martin Truex Jr. on the pole for today's Monster Energy Cup race in Fontana, California. Russell Westbrook and the Thunder are one of the eight teams fighting for six playoff spots, and every win is critical. Tuesday, they head to Boston to face the Celtics. Coverage begins at 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is Chicago's Game Day. UMBC knocks off Virginia 74-54. to The madness has hit its peak as a 16 defeats a 1 for the first time in NCAA history. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Talking college basketball you this morning. We got half the teams for the Sweet 16 from yesterday. Abdallah, you can hear all the coverage of the NCAA tournament. The other half trying to get to the Sweet 16 today. Starting at 11 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. That first game of the day will be Butler against Purdue. Who Correct. will be without Isaac Haas. Well done. Yeah. What else do you have on tap there for for the listeners? Later later games include Syracuse against Michigan State. Right. I'm trying to go in order, but they're not listed in order on my sheet. They're listed by region. Yeah, you're doing a great job with this. Uh, really keeping the audience with Other this. games include other college basketball games. Are you serious right now? You know the games, man. Texas A&M, North Carolina, Nevada, Cincinnati. That The winner of that game will play Loyola they next will. weekend. I think my, I'm looking forward to the Syracuse on Michigan State Izzo against Beheim. Oh, I, I thought really, you were going to say really you're, you're looking forward to this uh, college football like matchup between number five Clemson and number four Auburn. Listen, <laughs> that would be a great a great game for the middle of October, but uh, I don't think we're going to get that. And of course, the Retrievers they play Kansas State, UMBC, six forty five. You can hear that game right here on ESPN One. Yeah, Young Money, Cash Money. Are you surprised that a sixteen team, sixteen seed beat a number one seed? I I I was listening to various basketball people talk about college basketball, like the people that actually watch this stuff for a living and right. analysts and whatnot, former players, all that good stuff. And there's the main talk is that the parity in college basketball is getting uh, the, better and better. So like you have teams that can go in and beat number one teams and can go and be you don't get that like undefeated team very much so eventually it was going to happen but i think that the fact that it was by 20 that it was virginia that lost and then it was a team that was losing to like albany by 40 points or something like that earlier this season i think that was surprising what was special to me watching it was you know you hear a lot of this in college athletics, like do it the right way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, you win the game, but they they, pl- they played the right way, right? The Retrievers put it on, right? Like, the thing that was awesome about the end of that game is we all saw it coming. Here comes the 16 seed. They are going to beat the number one seed. Mm-hmm. And instead of just, like, clamming up and just, like, all right, running clock, and okay, we're going to win. No, they put it on. Oh, yeah. Virginia. What was cool is they that, were running like, up and down the court. They're shooting threes. They're throwing alley oops. And vice Boom. versa, you got put to them see in the ground. Virginia, who were just, I mean, even with like two minutes left in the game, three, they're just shell shocked. Not even moving on offense. Yeah. Not running up and down the floor. They they basically gave up. They looked like a team that knew with three minutes left in the game. Because I was out watching, and the people that I, I was I was out watching, they're like, oh, they're still in this. You know, three minutes is a lot of time. Virginia's good. I'm like, dude, th- th- look at them. There's a guy already crying on the bench. This game is over. Yeah, they were shook. They are in their heads. This game is over. They were shook early. Yeah. In that second half. Absolutely. And, I mean, that is an outstanding story. And, you know, everyone on social media is like, oh, it's a 30 for 30 in the making and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's great. But, like... What what's the lasting impact of a win like that? You know what I mean? Like well, like it's it's almost like a one time thing, and it's like all right now now we've done that. Now we've seen the sixteen seed beat the one. Mm-hmm. Now we're over it. Now we move on, right? Mm-hmm. Like because you know, like I don't think it's as great. Like it's obviously a great story, yeah. But it's not the miracle on ice. Look, you if they the way win- college basketball has worked over the last. 10 years specifically with the one and done culture is that when you got guys who are juniors and seniors and you go up against teams that have a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, mm-hmm. you always have a chance to win no matter what the talent level is because teams that play together always have a chance against teams who are not as experienced. That's just what it is now in college basketball. If you, if they win today. Okay. Now you're talking. Now we're talking, right? Right. But ultimately, as of right now, it's a cool story for the week that people are going to talk about tomorrow and when we're doing weekend recaps and all that kind of stuff and it's mixed in with the Loyola story and the great Michigan win yesterday and whatever craziness happens today it's a story if they lose today it's a trivia question who beat Virginia to be the only number one or 16 seed to beat a number one seed and like look it's going to be in the one shining moment and it's going to be in highlight packages and they're going to use it for the next couple years and it's a great story but ultimately if they don't do anything this is you know like, like we said even with Loyola these Cinderella stories are great but ultimately the real teams make the final four well yeah and that like that's the great um misunderstanding about the tournament and the March madness and all the bracket busting that goes on is it's really just this weekend because once you get past this weekend, it turns into the big dogs mm-hmm. usually advance like you- and the big dogs are the ones that get there the final weekend at the final four. They're usually teams seeds six and higher. You'll get a George Mason every once in a while, but yeah. what happened to George Mason? They lost. Okay, yeah, they haven't won the title. Like one of these Cinderella stories have not actually won the title. The closest one was Butler mm-hmm. hitting the front rim on a desperation Aww. heave from Gordon Hayward. Butler had a shot to actually win it. Yeah, but like you're right. Besides but, that, it's but, it's the blue bloods. It's the teams that usually win in in college basketball. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. But Those Butler's also built something now. Like Butler is a team now. Yeah, but Butler when they started. When they started, yes, but. I'm saying like this for for UMBC, yes, UMBC, the Retrievers, the Retreat, yeah, yes. well, uh, Young Money, Cash Money, support dogs everywhere, Retrievers, yeah, Young Money, Cash Money, uh huh. It's just a good story right now, and 
I, I I don't think that the game with Kansas State is going to be very close because that's this is a, this is a game where they you know like you've had to come down from this game for two days like you beat a one seed like that like you, this is a high that you're on for a while. And See, I wonder if the high lasts longer if we were not in the social media era that we're in now. No, because you still have to play the next game. Yeah, but is is that going to be one of the top stories on Monday morning? When Cap hits the airwaves at 9 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000, will he be talking retriever basketball? No, I mean, it's going to be Loyola, but, but, but the, the, one of the main stories will be how great was it to see finally a 16 seed beat a one seed, but they lost yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Like, it, it's like, yeah, it was nice. All right, we move on. They, like, they, we all got to tweet now, gifts of retriever dogs, cool. actual dogs, and like we all that. loved that. Yeah. And that was fun for, like, six hours on Twitter. But, like, you move on, right? Now, if they beat Kansas State today, that's what your game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio. 645 tip. You uh, Young Money Cash Money against Kansas State. The 16 against the 9. Now it's a 9 seed. So normally that's a one against the nine. We saw a couple blowouts with that. You know, we saw um, Villanova beat up on Alabama in the second half yesterday. Now you don't have that. Now you have the nine seed in the driver's seat against the 16 seat of Young Money Cash Money. So some of the games today, and you know, something else that I noticed watching all this college basketball coverage is, did you watch the halftime game of the last Syracuse game? The, what do you mean? The second half? No, the halftime when uh, Chuck and uh, oh, Clark yeah, yeah, Kellogg yeah. come on, Charles Barkley yes, and, yes, yes, yes. and Kenny Smith, yes. they all come on and they talk about the game yes. during halftime. You know what was interesting of the TCU-Syracuse game? I was watching this and I, I kept thinking about it. You know, you and I watched co- a lot of college basketball. Black and Abdallah, we, uh, college football. No one talks more college football than Black and Abdallah, right? Yes. And a lot of college football are teams that don't have the talent using gimmicks even the playing field, right? Mm-hmm. So you get teams that run the spread now a lot. Almost everyone's running spread, but you get teams that have a gimmick, like Rich Rodriguez at Arizona for a long time, uh, Chip Kelly at Oregon, mm-hmm. gimmicks that got them to a certain level, and then you got to have the talent to kind of match up with Alabama, other SEC teams. But a lot of gimmicky college football, right? A mm-hmm. lot of teams trying things just to even the playing field. Why is Syracuse the only team that does this matchup zone? I, I mean, it works for them. Yes. And it's why every year when we get to March Madness, when Syracuse is involved, they're a team. They run into teams who have no comprehension on how to unlock this puzzle of the matchup zone. Well, you and I also no, watch just, a lot of. So I'm asking college basketball, why in the tournament are we not seeing, why are they the only ones that are known for the matchup zone defense, the, the, the two, three defense like this? Why, if the gimmick works for them, and we all know that that's coming, and what's going to happen when you play Syracuse is here comes the matchup zone. They run the matchup zone to perfection, and they move on in the tournament, no matter their 11 seed, a four seed. You know, for some reason, Bayheim and Syracuse, like, why don't other teams in college basketball find a gimmick like that and hold to it? Why are they the only ones that do the matchup zone? I think it's a chicken-egg uh, situation here because you and I also watch a lot of NBA. You watch a ton of NBA. Uh, I think you watch more than the entire radio station combined as far as NBA goes besides Jonathan Hood. Yeah, I have an issue. Uh, yes, you do. But while we're watching these college basketball games together, you're yelling at the TV about spacing. 
Well, and yeah, you're I mean, like, why? Listen. So is that? But is that part of it? If teams aren't going to play, if you've got 30 seconds and you're not playing. Uh, 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 a spacing offense where you're moving the ball around. It's just a dude dribbling for 25 seconds and then they get into their offense or whatever. If they're not using and moving stuff around, then why would you play that zone defense if you don't need to? If it's th- if three guys are standing next to each other, not doing anything in a cluster, why do you need to play zone? They're just standing there. Well, like Barkley, and the reason I brought this up is Barkley made a comment to Clark Kellogg and Clark Kellogg tried to act like Oh, players work on their game. Chuck, you're crazy. Like, he tried to brush him off. But Barkley's comment was, if you're playing against a zone defense all the time in practice, you specifically on offense are not getting better at one-to-one offense because you're always going against a zone defense in practice. Mm -hmm. So that's why Syracuse struggles to score offensively because guys aren't honing their craft one-on-one on their offensive end. Now, whether or not that's true or not, it's a thought that comes from someone who doesn't watch college basketball, Barkley, because he's in the NBA mindset where, you know, oh, it seems like you should be like, like you're using a gimmick to succeed on defense, mm-hmm. but the gimmick is also hurting you on offense because yeah. you're not going against that type of defense and practice every day because you're working on zone defense so much. And when he said that, I was like, man, isn't it weird that Syracuse is the only one? The, they're the only ones that are known for this. We don't have one like, we don't point to the SEC and say, oh yeah, there's that team that runs spread offense in football. We, the Pac-12, Big Ten, we, we know all these schools, like Urban Meyer runs at Ohio State. This team runs it over there. Like all these teams in college football run it. But in college basketball, it's like, oh, just Syracuse. They're the only ones that can do it. They're the only ones that got it. Well, and that's what happens when they run into a team that scores. Like, yeah, they're good in the first round, they're good in the second round, but what happens when they run into a team that can score? Like, what's going to happen today when they run into uh, Michigan State? With a bunch of pros on their team. Exactly. We'll we'll see. They're probably going to lose. Can the pros unlock the pretzel-like puzzle of the zone defense? Mm -hmm. You can hear the game right here on ESPN 1000 at 140. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chicago's game day. Abdallah? Mm. In media, something from the 90s is coming back. And I don't get why all we do is go back to the 90s and always have to bring things back. Do we have no new ideas? Next. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. But I'm into it. But I'm into it. I'm kind of into it. It's getting lazy. I think I'm losing it. All right, Abdallah. Here's the deal. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We're here till 11 a.m. And then college basketball coverage of the NCAA tournament can be heard right here on ESPN 1000. You can follow Abdallah on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. You can follow myself on Twitter at Chris Black. If you want to join the conversation today, 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet us. Have you been following media news? Yeah. Uh, yes. Why do we always have to go back to something from from like the nineties? I don't know, man. It's unbelievable. I don't know. You you got you know you see all the these shows. There's no new ideas back. anymore. There's no new no new ideas. These movies are being remade. No. Everything's being remade. You, you know, always have to dig back to the to the nineties to find something to see if it works. Yeah, we have no. You can't just <clears> come up. You can't come up with Get Out, can you? No, 
Oh, that was too difficult. Independent film that did really well. But no, we got to recycle old things. It's too hard to make Atlanta. Yeah. It's too hard to do that. Rick and Mm. Morty, that's too hard for you. Yeah, it is. New ideas are tough, man. I know, right? As young people in the business, it's tough, right? Yeah, as young, I want fresh ideas. I want new content. I want atlanta i want the americans i want there's this good show coming out called barry that starts next next yeah. week yeah I bill hater yeah i can't wait to watch that. that's a great is it a remake of anything no he's a hitman that, that hmm. wants to act it What's, wasn't on in the 90s right no it wasn't <laughs> did you see this did you see this story in the media this week did you see this did you hear this coming back hmm Abdallah, a reboot of Carissa Explains It All, starring Melissa Joan Hart as the mom, is in the works at Nickelodeon, where she will play the mom, and it will take place where she has kids, and they, I assume, will also try to explain it all, as Clarissa will. Two things. Three things. She has to be married to Sam? Maybe. Is that his name? Yeah, Sam. Has to be married to Sam. Duh. Right? Uh, the daughter's name needs to be something of Arissa. So it needs to be like Marissa explains it all. It could be Marissa. Yeah. Okay, Marissa explains it all. That right? would work. And if Turd Ferguson doesn't come back <laughs> and he's not the uncle, if like I like legit the guy that played Turd Ferguson. Right. I need Ferguson to be there. Well, okay? is, is Turd Ferguson an actor still, or is he? Yeah. You know, like no, come work, on. I mean, working in a bank somewhere. Do, do, you don't think he's been sitting by his phone waiting for this phone call? Well, well maybe Turd. Maybe Turd Ferguson has something better to do with his day. I don't think he does. Let's see what he's up to. Hold on, IMDb. Clarissa explains it all. Uh, cast. Jason Zimbler, Ferguson Darling. Probably not because the only picture they have of him is from the show. See, that's it. He's, He's only done the show. He has done nothing else See, since the show. I told you, Turd Ferguson has something better to do than sit around waiting for this reboot of Clarissa Explains It All. He worked at a internet radio station while attending Notre <laughs> Dame in 1998. See, that's quite some time. He was working... Uh, as a full time, full time as a software designer for HBO in 2011. Oh wait, you're you're looking at me strange. Um, uh, Eric, you can cut the music. Uh, Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Um, what Abdallah? What did you think I was talking about? Something else? No. Here comes Loyola, a chance to win it. Towns into the front court on the left wing, top to Ingram, three for the win. Good! He made it. He made the buzzer expires the Loyola players storm off their bench they're mobbing their teammate oh thank god thank god you did it Custer in the backcourt here he comes across the timeline eight seconds Custer dribbling right Custer stops fires a 15 footer bounces and it goes it went in 3.6 seconds left Schofield the inbound into bone on the run into the front court top of the key three at the buzzer no and Loyola wins the Ramblers win it on to the Sweet 16. And the boys from Chicago have a 30th win. Loyola rambles on to the Sweet 16. And I said we are going to win the big W up there, and we did. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. 
Welcome into Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Talking college basketball. If you're not interested in baseball conversation this morning, thanks for tuning in. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We're here till 11 a.m. and then we join NCAA coverage from Westwood One right here on ESPN 1000. We'll have every game of the tournament right here on ESPN 1000 today. We're open for business and your calls at 312-332-3776. We will hear from Porter Moser in just a minute right here on ESPN 1000. But yesterday, Abdallah, great college ba- basketball action, a buzzer beater from Michigan, and the Ramblers head to the Sweet 16. You know, my favorite part about the uh, Michigan win was is like three dudes on that team are wearing like the, sh- the short shorts. Well, that, the that's guy, the style in college basketball this year. If you didn't know, is, everything is cyclical. Yeah, and we of all course. go back to before. Before it was the longer the shorts, the better. Let's see what we can get away with. Now, shorter the shorts. Well, I mean, uh, I cover UIC basketball, and Targus Ferguson, who is one of their guards, uh, sophomore guard, really good. The last couple of games, he was tucking his shorts into his spandex underneath, so they were even shorter than they needed to be. Like that's the style, man. Short shorts in the back. These kids. I know. They're crazy. Chris Black and Abba, <laughs> Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. So Loyola, uh, they beat Tennessee 63-62. Clearly the top story here in Chicago this morning. If you're waking up, uh, maybe you partied too hard yesterday for St. Patrick's Day. I live downtown, Abdallah, and when I left my apartment building at 1 in the afternoon... I thought I walked into a zombie apocalypse of drunk people because I thought it was the walking dead outside. Uh, my neighbors, who live directly below me, started at 7 a.m. What, what was the style of music they were playing at 7 a.m.? It was this... Okay, so there's four girls that live uh, in the floor. I live on the second floor. They live uh, below me. And sure. the, there, it was this weird hybrid mix. I, I feel like each one of them picked a song. In that, in, in an order, because it went from like a like a poppy country song okay. to Drake right. to this like weird little God's like, plan maybe inspirational um, inspirational like and not like you gotta get through the day like inspiration like like Lilith Fair type of music like something you would hear there fair enough you know and then like this weird like techno-y, like Halsey type. Of song, and then back to country, and then back. So it was like one of them each got to pick a song because they couldn't figure out what they wanted to play. Maybe they just tossed all their playlists into one. Just give one the Augs chord and call it a day. Is that how it works? Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work. One of you, or how about this? Drake's the best for parties. Play me lots of Drake. Yeah, that'd be fine to well, wake up I'm to some Drake. Wake, if I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. because you're already pre-gaming at 7 a.m. and you went till 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> I, I want to hear something good. I got no problem if you're blasting good music. Fair I'm enough. I think, I think a lot of people have a problem with blasting music that early. But oh, yeah. So Chris Black, Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. We will talk with Yahoo's Michael Lee about the NBA coming up in about five minutes right here on ESPN 1000. But first, let's hear from Porter Moser, the stars of the weekend so far here in the city of Chicago, the Loyola Ramblers. They're heading to the Sweet 16. And last night after the game, Porter Moser got a chance to talk with Dickerson Hood on ESPN Radio. Just when I think I've seen the best moment of Ramblers basketball, Porter, you guys go out and, and one-up yourself. I mean, what an incredible finish. And I thought at the start, I thought Tennessee was going to be incredibly tough because for the first five minutes, they pretty much had their way, and then the game just flipped in your in your favor. 
Well, first of all, boys, it's it's absolutely mayhem here. And I just wanted to – my boy Billy Barron said two Chicago guys who have been so good to us, man. I, I, I just for sure want to just jump on and say thanks for always supporting us, you know, always, even when we're down. And uh, secondly, it's the, the locker room, the guys in the locker room, they just believe. We didn't start out great. Um, you know, Tennessee is, is unbelievably physically big and long. And I think it just took us a second to get acclimated. And uh, they scored 15, minute, 15 points in the first five minutes and then 10 in the last 15. And our guys really responded. Um, this is a tough group that believes. And uh, the culture in the locker room, the guys believe in. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing to see guys step up uh, and make shots like that the way Clay made that last shot. Coach, as the staff was putting this game together, what was the game plan going in against Tennessee that you wanted to stop? Well, my staff has been around the clock, a lot of hours those guys have put in. And, and you know, you're, just, you're not going to guard uh, Williams with one guy. You know, it's just going to take a, a group effort. And we were trying to, at times, front him and bring a guy from behind and trap him. And then when he sealed you, bring him from the top. But he's, he's just, he literally is one of the best ducking guys in the country. Um, so physical, so strong. I mean, there's a reason why he's the SEC player of the year. And uh, they pound the glass. I mean, they've had games over 20 offensive rebounds in, in the SEC, and they had three at halftime. Um, I think they ended up with six. And that's a credit to our guys, the way we blocked out, got in their legs. It wasn't how big and tall we talked about. It's just how tough you were. And I thought they were you know, really, really tough blocking out. Head coach Porter Moser of the Loyola Ramblers joining in Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I saw you after the game on TV, Porter, you know, clapping hands and thanking the great crowd for, for showing up and, and supporting the program. What does it mean, what has it meant for you to see the way that the campus has rallied around this team and really the entire city of Chicago has adopted Loyola as their team in March Madness? Well, just it's, it's unbelievable, I mean, to, to have that vision, especially from being from Chicago to see the amount of people excited, the university, the pride, to some of the videos that we saw from the Miami game. And uh, I can't imagine St. Patty's Day in Chicago watching that one go off. <laughs> and my younger self would love to have been there, brother. Um, and uh, just, just, a, just an amazing feeling to have the, from where it started. From where it started, and you've been in there, Jeff, when there was mm-hmm. only about 100 people in that arena, to, to the grassroots rebuild to where it's at now and the amount of people excited and the credit to our, our coaching staff and, and mostly these kids, just resilient. The administration there believed, and it's just been a group effort. And it's, uh, it's a really cool, especially for being from Chicago area, that I, I think it's really cool how many people in Chicago are just so prideful of what's going on. Coach, I just think that the defensive effort has really stood out so far in the NCAA tournament. It's really been there all season, but watching Andre Jackson come off the bench, what does he mean to your ball club for him to be able to knock down some shots when you really needed him? You know, he's he, all year long, he, you know, he's such a unselfish kid. He, you know, he comes in and, and he was, you know, Cameron Crutwig comes in as a freshman and he's doing all this stuff and he's doing good. And Andre just keeps playing, never complains, plays his role. And for him to get 16 points on seven shots in his home state, hometown, to go to the Sweet 16, so everybody is so happy for him because he's just an unbelievable human being. He's a great guy. But he gives us such a different look than when you're guarding Crutwig you're, and all of a sudden you get this quick, slithery, undersized guy, and uh, it's just two different looks. It's really been a really been a good weapon for us. I think I jumped out of my seat when when Dante Ingram hit the three to win against Miami Porter. But like, what were what were your thoughts as that ball was rolling around the rim when when Custer took that final shot? 
I mean, when it went in, you know, I was immediately thinking I was about to call timeout because, you know, sometimes they can get it out so quick and blow and go. And, you know, I, I sat there and I was about to, but then they weren't, they weren't getting the ball in quick. And then so we were kind of back on defense. And then, you know, there's still – so, you know, that's, that's what your mind goes to. Your mind goes to how much time's left. Am I going to call a timeout? You know, and I, they, they weren't getting the ball out quick, and then Schofield had it, and he was kind of pumping with the ball, and we kind of let it go. And um, fortunately, the ball, that last shot didn't go in. Coach, Sister Jean's been getting a lot of press here. Uh, I mean, she's, as I told you, she's really the star of the program, not your players, not you. Uh, so uh, have you run into Sister Jean? Have you, have you talked to her after the game? Yeah, we did. We, everyone gave her a big hug, and uh, she's just so special to all of us, and it's cool that the nation's uh, embracing her, but she was on the court side. Everybody gave her a hug on the way out. That was Porter Moser on last night with Dickerson. Hood, you can hear them uh, Saturday and Sunday nights on ESPN Radio, Coast to Coast, and also on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah. Here on Chicago's Game Day, we're here till 11, and then college basketball coverage kicks off at 11 right here on ESPN 1000. I mean, yes, Sister J- Jonathan Hood was joking to Porter, but Sister Jean has national appeal. I saw her on World News Tonight on NBC News on, like, Thursday night or on Friday night Mm -hmm. after the day after. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had an entire piece about her. She is the star of the program. It's not the players. It's not Porter Moser and the great job he's done coaching up the Ramblers. It's Sister Jean. Well, you you find that, you know, every fan base has someone. Like, Gonzaga had the Gonzaga granny. (laughs) You know that. That was there was a thing they were showing yeah. her in the uh, in the stands when Gonzaga was playing. They had the Gonzaga granny, and so like every you know every team kind of has this. Northwestern had Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, and now with Loyola's sister Jean. So now we have to make a bracket of these fans of teams. Yeah, I would go with sister Ooh, Jean. That's what we should do. That's a good bracket because you could have the dancing mom from Warriors games. Yeah. It's yeah. all you. You you figure it out. No, nope. you do it. Maybe here is year. Sister Jean okay. after the game. In case you missed it, here's Sister Jean. Sister Jean, I want to get right to it. How did you motivate these guys in your pregame prayer? Well, I told them we were going to win, that we could do it, and that God would be on our side, and we we're just going to do it today to keep calm and to just put into play everything that coach has taught them to do. Now, I have a hard question for you because the guys, Clayton Custer, the players, they told me they found out about your bracket and that you had them going to the Sweet 16, but then they're losing there. So so what's the pro- what's going on there? I, I just thought they wouldn't go to the Sweet 16, and, and now we may even go more than that. So you'd prefer if your bracket was wrong? We just go one game at a time, though. And so we'll go to the Sweet 16 now. Great. I like that mindset. Congratulations to you and your school, and I, I hope they bust your bracket. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sister Jean, mm. Um, mm. Wait, what's that about? Abel? That was the, we were doing the haha. We were doing the haha. I legitimately laughed, and you were like mocking laughing. I'm still mad that we're putting it out there, not we, because I would never do that to Sister Jean. If you're listening, Sister Jean, I would never put your dirty laundry out there like that, that you have Loyola losing. Her possible, uh, her round. bracket busted. Her bracket, yeah. I don't, you know, don't, why, why are we making it hot for her? Because that's going to be the thing. Now, now, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, we heard you got the losing in your bracket. How, how do you, how's that going to make you feel? Did you not have faith in your team? Oh, that's a good one. Pun. And I said we want to win the big W up there, and we did. Pun definitely intended. Oh, thank God. 
<laughs> I mean, it's such a great story here yeah. in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. and that's why it's it's so much fun to watch this team because you know they they really have caught the attention of the city. We were out yesterday for St. Patrick's Day, and everyone was watching that game, celebrating when the game went final, when the shot was hit by Clayton Custard. It was fun. It was great. It was outstanding. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you see the city can embrace a team like this the way they embrace Northwestern, the way you know they're going to embrace uh, Loyola. You look at the bracket now, the way it shapes out. With Virginia out, they'll face the winner of Nevada and Cincinnati, who play later today. You can hear that right here on ESPN 1000. But the winner of that game will face Loyola. And then, you know, like if... Nevada wins that game, even if Cincinnati wins. The Ramblers are set up the way that they play, the style that they play. They could keep it close, at least, and have a chance at the end of all these games. So that's I'm Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000. Let's talk some NBA now with Michael Lee from Yahoo. You know, the Bulls last night, they lose to the Cavaliers 114-109. to And, Michael, as I bring you in, watching the Cavs recently after the trade deadline, they've really struggled to incorporate these new uh, guys into uh, LeBron and everyone working well. Uh, do you think the Cavs have enough to get to the finals this season? No, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think a lot of that is because they don't have a Kyrie, you know, and that's those, aren't, those guys aren't easy to, to find, and they traded one away. Um, so I think that having that dynamics offensive weapon that can, you know, go for 30 or 40 from uh, night to night, they just don't have that guy. I mean, even if Kevin, when Kevin Love comes back, He'll be a guy, but, you know, he might get you 30. He's not going to get you 40. You know, I think that when you have a guy as special as Kyrie is, um, you got to try to appreciate that even more. I know he wasn't happy, you know, there and he wanted out, but you got to find a way to make it work. You know, he still, he still is on the contract. I just feel like, um, there was a lot at stake and I don't know if they really valued, um, what they had. You know, they put so much pressure on LeBron do everything now and uh you know he's great and he can put up a lot of big numbers but in terms of turning those numbers into wins um we just haven't seen that the way we're used to over the last couple years so it's interesting that you answered like that because i agree with you and i think the way toronto has played in the second half and the way they played throughout the season in boston uh they've both been so good this season and i think they're too much for the Cavs. which of those two teams do you think is the better option going against cleveland I think either one of them could get them. You know, um, right now, the way things are set up, it looks like they could get, uh, Boston or Toronto in the second, second round, you know, um, you know, and they could, and then if they get past them, they got to get them in the finals. So they have to go through both to get to the NBA finals. And if they do, they will have totally earned it because I don't think anyone expects them to get there. I think past years, we've always seen the Cavs had their struggles and have their little internal spats and, you know, LeBron with the sub tweets and everything like that. And we sort of say, oh, they're in trouble, they're vulnerable. And then, you know, they're right there back in the finals, you know. And I think that this year feels different, though, because, um, you know, they've been dealing with so much adversity throughout the course of the season. They've remade the roster uh, once over, and it's still like you see the same problem. They don't defend, the, they don't defend well. Um, they don't seem to have the same effort, consistent effort um, on a nightly basis. One thing that's been consistent is that LeBron's been great, but it doesn't matter if one guy is getting you know great numbers and putting up awesome highlights. If you're losing games, you know that's not the objective. <laughs> the Raptors right now are five games ahead of the Celtics in the standings. Are they ready to take that next step and win a conference championship? 
Um, they're they're better position than they ever have been. Um, I mean, I think a lot depends on Boston's health. Um, I think that Boston at full strength, um, I would I would lean more towards them. But Boston's been so banged up, and Kyrie has been dealing with a nagging and knee injury that I'm not sure how that's going to come along. Um, but I think that you know I trust Brad Stevens and just the job that he's done over the last couple of years, and I think that he could inspire this group. Um, you know, if they if they were able to meet head to head in the conference finals, um, but I love what Toronto's done all year. I love the fact that Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry both embraced a new style. Um, they didn't. They understood. They were humbled from getting swept last year by the by the Cavaliers. They knew they had to do something different, and what they had been doing wasn't going to work anymore. Um, so I appreciate guys at that stage in their career in their prime saying. Okay, we got to do something different, and they did it, and they've you know, welcomed in this new bench. They got so many young guys out there providing the energy, and to do a culture change from within—that's rare in basketball. Usually, it requires you to to give up, you know, somebody a key cog, an uh, important piece. But they've been able to hold on to pretty much their core, and then just you know supplement that by you know incre- improving their um, improving their bench, you know, through through the draft. And that's rare for a contending team. So I love what they've done. Uh, I just think it's going to be a struggle um, just mentally, I think, to get over that hump, get to the finals. Um, something the franchise has never done. But the Raptors have this one, Dwayne Casey. They've broken down a lot of barriers that no one thought that they could, they could reach in the past. Michael Leon, ESPN 1000 with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah talking NBA. Michael, uh, if we look at the first round matchups of the season ended today, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we've been talking about, would face the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you see from the 76ers this year? Their first year with all their little pieces, all healthy, all playing well together. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Could they make a frisky run at the Cavs in the first round? Absolutely. Um, primarily because Joel Embiid is such a freak. I mean, he is a physical specimen. He's so large. He's so agile. He can shoot the three. He can put the ball on the floor. He plays defense, um, and he's determined. Like, he's hungry. He. All right, we lost Michael Lee. All right. I, you know, I asked about the 76ers because I think that uh, when you look at Embiid, and I agree that he's a freak, mm-hmm. I think when you look at him and you look at the way the 76ers play, and I talked about it on the air here on ESPN 1000 before, he's the most dangerous guy in the NBA, except LeBron, Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden. Like that he's next, up there. That next yeah. tier is Embiid. And what I mean by that is he's so good at the defensive side of the ball that when the offense clicks, he can shoot the three, he can get you in the post. He can do all kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, he can control the guy, the game all over the place as we bring uh, Michael Lee back in the conversation. So you were saying about Joel Embiid, he's a freak athlete, and they can go and make a run at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, um, and then also, you know, you, Embiid is great. And, and Ben Simmons, I mean, he's a guy that is a rookie, but he's, he's kind of like a, a Blake Griffin rookie in that he had a year to watch and observe. And figure out where he could, you know, get his shots. And he's just a guy that he's clearly special. I mean, he already has more triple doubles than Magic did as a rookie. Um, I'm not comparing to Magic. I'm just saying I was impressed with right. that. <laughs> but I think yeah. overall, to come in the league and to be a part of a winning team when this is your first go around, you know, I don't think um, people really appreciate how difficult it is 
to be a competitive team the first time you actually go through it. Because Embiid, this is really his first time going through a full season. You know, he's never played a full season at any point in his career from high school to now, and now he's actually doing it. So these guys are going through it, they're learning it, but they're not intimidated by it. They're not, they don't feel like they're um, overwhelmed by the pressure. You know, they have their ups and downs because they're young, but I think that just their, their um, moxie, their, their confidence, just everything that they bring to the table um, gives me confidence they go out there and really give the Cavaliers trouble because it's not just about having the experience. A lot of times it's about having talent. And most of the time when they get on the floor, there aren't many teams that have two guys that are more talented than being in center. As far as the West goes, Kawhi Leonard, his return is still delayed. We don't know when he's going to be able to back. How does this... Or if. <laughs> if he's going to be back, exactly. How does this end up playing out with Kawhi and the Spurs? That's really tough because Kawhi is such a tough person to read. You know, he's not even a guy that, you know, you have... Sometimes you have guys with their their people that they leak stuff and, you know, they, they want to get stuff out. Uh, but Kawhi is a guy that keeps everything to himself. You know, so everybody that is, is coming out with things about how he feels about certain situations, it's really hard to say because he's not really going to express that. Um, but I think that, you know, if he's able to come back, if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm furious that I spent an entire year <laughs> trying to get the level one seed and I might get the Spurs in the first round uh, with Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the one thing that I've taken away from this season is that, you know, it would be a shame if he isn't able to come back because I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge will have another season that's this good. And um, he's playing the best basketball since he's been in San Antonio. He's been carrying that team every night. And it'd be nice to have that one-two combination really going at it against um, you know the top teams in the West because you know I don't think they would have beaten the Golden State Warriors last year in the conference finals. But I think that if Kawhi had been healthy, the way those two guys played in that first half – they would have made that series interesting, and it would have been a much more competitive series. And I just think that it would be a shame if we never really got a chance to see a, a Kawhi with a Marcus Aldridge playing at his his best. Because again, I think um, you know going forward, we won't see many more seasons like this from him. So it would almost be like a waste. Almost just just they use Lamarcus just to get into the playoffs to keep alive one of the most incredible streaks um, in professional sports. Forget basketball. But to make it to the playoffs 21 straight years would be phenomenal. Um, but I think that, you know, they don't have a chance of going anywhere um, in, the, uh, in the playoffs without Kawhi. And it's just a question, is, is he going to be able to get out there? And only he has the answer to that. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. You just mentioned them. They've uh, dealt with a lot of injuries as of late. Uh, hopefully all the parts will be healthy for the first round of the playoffs. Is there any concern with all the injuries building up heading into the playoffs that they haven't been healthy down the stretch of the regular season? Is there any concern from you with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, it's starting to build up, you know, because I think if it's just like a Steph uh, Curry ankle, that's one thing. But when you add on, um, you know, Clay Thompson's thumb and uh, Kevin Durant's ribs, you know, and then just nagging injuries for Draymond and, and Andre Iguodala. You know, these are key essential pieces to to them making a, a championship run. And the one thing that that scares me about them, and and I've been all year saying that they're going to win because they have the most talent, but they haven't peaked and they haven't had a run that you can just sit back and feel confident and say, "Oh yeah, that's the Warriors that we're used to seeing." They just haven't had that. 
And um, the Rockets have shown us throughout the course of the year, like, oh, man, look at this team. Wow, they really got it. Um, they have, you know, 16-game winning streak, 17, 14, just all these um, moments where you can say, look, this team looks really special. And we just haven't seen that from the Warriors. And a lot of that is just because, you know, the previous three years, they were just at a level that nobody should be able to sustain for that long. Um, and, and it's just sort of just natural that eventually there'd be um, a, a moment where they take a step back a bit. Um, they're still a great team. They still have a lot of talent. But if they're not healthy, I don't see how they get past Houston um, because they're going to need everything that they have to go up against this team because James Harden is coming. And he's somebody that has been you know overlooked the last couple of years, especially when it comes to MVP voting. He's somebody that's determined to kind of change you know his narrative as a postseason dud same way with chris paul so these guys are fired up coming to the postseason they actually have a purpose the warriors purpose is just to continue what they've had going and they can't do that if if they're not right and they have to be whole they will have to be whole no matter what a talent edge they have um if they're going to get through the, the west as tough as it is this year and events whoever they get from the east and win a championship and repeat um, they're going to need everybody. I mean, think about it. It's hard to repeat in this league. It's very difficult. I think only seven or eight franchises have done it, and they're not one of them. And neither are the Spurs, as great as they've been over the last 20 years. So um, repeating is not something you can just pencil in and say it's going to happen. And I think the Warriors are showing that it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, you're totally right about that, and I, I agree with you. It seems like we just assume that they will win the championship, but as you look at the season, I mean, the Rockets are hungry. Do you think James Harden wins the MVP this year? If he doesn't, then I'm going to have to do an investigation because something <laughs> went wrong. You know, um, I mean, I don't think – I think right now the race is for second. Um, he's been lapped in the field pretty much since November. I mean, he, he came out, you know, determined, you know, from the jump and the, the, to be the, have the number one seed in the West – to lead the league in scoring, um, you know, I don't think there's much more you can ask of a guy. Um, I think in the past, you know, Steph Curry won, beat him out a few years ago because, you know, he, he had a, a team that had the best record and just he was leading a movement. This three-point revolution was sort of spearheaded by him. So you got to give it up to him. And then last year, he just, he unfortunately didn't average uh, an extra rebound and a half. If he had averaged triple-double, he might have won. But he didn't, so um, people felt that he wasn't worthy. Um, I think he was worthy last year. I think he should have won it last year because he actually, his his stats, his numbers led to wins. His stats put his team in position. Um, but, um, but again, the triple-doubles, round number, people got excited about it. Obviously, Russell was going to get it. But, um, but I think that James, there's nobody else that's been able to do it from – beginning to end. There's been guys that got hot for a month before a week, but James has been there at the top all season. Michael, and I agree with you. One last thing before we let you go. Uh, when I say the Bulls are 24-45 and 45, and they might be the eighth seed drafting this uh, upcoming NBA draft, what do you think of that when the team was supposed to tank this year? What do you think of the Chicago Bulls and the way they've gone about this season? Well, I mean, you just got to be mad at Nico Miritich, right? It's all his fault. <laughs> they should not have played him this year, and they'd be in a much worse position. They'd be right where they want to be. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, basketball has a way of, um, you know, the basketball gods have a way of, uh, you know, spoiling those teams that go about it the wrong way. You know, um, you know, if you if you just 
tank and tank and tank and just intentionally try to to to, to fail, it doesn't always work out. Um, and I think that we've seen it. You know, um, you know, Memphis has done it for many years, and they never got the number one pick. And I think that you know sometimes. When they got Derrick Rose, they were not the number uh, – they weren't a top five lottery team or whatever. They weren't right there in the mix. They got up there, and it, and it worked out for them. So sometimes I think you just got to play hard and you got to compete and, uh, and let the lottery balls take care of themselves because um, trying to intentionally set it up to, to win, it rarely works out that way. Uh, only a few franchises – Get get fortunate like that, like the seventy sixers, unfortunately. But um, but I think that you just gotta you gotta go out there and play and compete. And players, as much as management, you know, maybe about one thing, the players aren't always going to be about that. And I think that's the one thing you saw with the Bulls this year in that one stretch where they had that winning streak, and then you know, Zach Levine came back, and you saw the guys playing, you know, kind of inspired ball for a bit. But um, you just gotta play it out. You know, the lottery is a lottery. So it's not no guarantee that just because you stink, you're going to wind up with the top pick. Thanks for making time for us this morning, Michael. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. So that's Michael Lee from Yahoo NBA coverage right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. All right, Abdallah, did you see the trade in the NFL yesterday? I did. We got to talk about this because I think uh, three quarterbacks going one, two, three in the mm. NFL draft is a distinct possibility. That sets up perfectly for the Bears, too. We'll talk about it coming up next right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Chris Fleck, Adam Abdallah here on Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Even though we're all paying attention to college basketball, the March Madness, upsets, retrievers, buzzer beaters, Loyola, rolling, heading to the Sweet 16. Uh, the NFL sticking its nose in our college basketball nonsense this weekend. What What's the deal, NFL? What do you got? Well, there was a trade yesterday, Chris, as the Jets move up. They trade with the Colts. The Colts give up their first round pick. They move, they switch spots, so they'll now be sixth overall. The Jets will be third overall. And for that, the Colts will get the 2018 second round pick, two 2018 second round picks, 37th overall and 49th overall, and 2019 second round pick from the Jets. So now the Colts have three extra picks, three extra second round picks. And the Jets got to move up three picks. Did uh, Was Ryan Pace making the trade for oh, the Jets? Okay. All right. Listen here, <laughs> Sparkles. Don't you be coming at our guy like that, okay? I was just asking. I mean, Listen you gave up a lot here, to move up to the third overall Sparkles. Hold up, NFL. Uh, you're a month early, right? We're, we still have like a month until the NFL draft and teams are trading for first round top five picks. It's a little desperate, I think, to be doing it this early. So right now, the... The picks before the Bears will go Browns, need a quarterback. Giants, need a quarterback. Jets, obviously moved up to get a quarterback. The Browns again, who will have presumably have their quarterback at one. So maybe they take best player available, who could be Saquon Barkley at that Saquon spot. Saquon Barkley, it could be Chubb. It could be the defensive end, Chubb. Uh, the Bradley Broncos, Chubb. Bradley Chubb, yes. Uh, the Broncos pick fifth, need a quarterback. Right. Uh, and the Colts pick sixth. Now that they switch with the Jets. And they don't need they a quarterback. They don't need a quarterback. And the Bucks pick seventh, and they also do not need 
a quarterback. So there is the chance now that four quarterbacks could go before the Chicago Bears are on the board. Yes. Which means the Bears could be picking, based on the way you look at it, the fifth best player in the draft. Well, I don't see how this really changes anything for the Bears because they didn't... It's not like the Jets moved up from in front of the Bears. The Jets were already in front of the Bears and the Colts were already in front of the Bears. Right. So... All this does is position the Colts to take a quarterback that they want. Now, what you have to look into is what do the Bills do? Like, because the Bills have a few picks here in the first round. They have 12 overall and they have 20, 22 overall. And they also need a quarterback. So wouldn't you think that the one team you could probably trade with would be Cleveland, that fourth pick? Yeah. Because it, if the Bills want to pile into the top five... And then have four quarterbacks go to start the draft. Yes. The Bills, if they want, if they're late to the party, if they're uh, the ultimate warrior running out of the tunnel all the way down by himself, <laughs> going crazy to the ring, like if the Bills need to get in on this, it would be the fourth pick, right? Because yeah. everyone else needs a quarterback. It wouldn't be Denver. Denver doesn't want to move from five. Well, Denver could move. Now, to would, f- would the Colts move off of six back? They could. They do have two second round picks, but you need, I mean, look, you, the, the goal. And Ryan Pace said this last year before they picked up Mitchell Trubisky. The goal is to not be in this position again. So why give up that position? That's my philosophy. Why give up the sixth overall pick when you could get someone or something that could help Andrew Luck out or protect Andrew Luck or anything? Why would you give that up to move back when, in all likelihood, your goal is to not be in this position? All like your goal is to have Andrew Luck healthy for the year. So your goal is to not have the sixth overall pick, to not be picking this high. So take advantage of it while you're there. The Bills should be the one that move up from 12 and take that fourth pick, taking a quarterback at four, which means four quarterbacks and then whatever happened, Denver. So five quarterbacks could go. God, that would be outstanding for the Bears. Absolutely, because then you could have Bradley Chubb could be there. Quentin Nelson could be there. Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. I I don't think the Bears would take Saquon Barkley, but... Someone could take Saquon Barkley ahead of you, meaning that Bradley Chubb would be available. Minka Fitzpatrick. You could have your pick of all of these great defensive guys, or you could get the best offensive lineman in the draft and Quentin Nelson as well. Like You could get one of those great picks, so you hope that the Bills want to move up. They get desperate, and they think their quarterback won't be there. They want to jump ahead of Denver and get the best available quarterback, and they trade with the Browns. Here's Mel Kuyper Jr. yesterday on the Jets moving up to three, but they still might not get their guy. They're not going to get maybe the number one quarterback, maybe the number two quarterback, because number two pick could end up to Buffalo. Who says Buffalo can't trade up to number two and get that Giants right. pick? Could the Jets maybe be forced to go from three to two? We saw the Bears go from three, three yep. to two to get Trubisky, okay, with the 49ers. So I don't think it's done yet, but to make a move like this where you give up the, the two seconds and a second next year and you're not going to get the number one or number two quarterback possibly, is that a deal you would be happy with? If you're a Jet, you get the third quarterback maybe on your board. Mel Kuyper was also talking with Todd McShay yesterday and Doreen Mel, and Mel Kuyper and uh, McShay were going back and forth, and McShay said clearly the Jets made this move because they like three quarterbacks on the board. You can't move up there and give away all of this without feeling really good about three of them. Now, I've heard, and I don't trust anything that I've heard so far, I've heard that that Allen might not be a fit with them and that they're really comfortable with Darnold, 
Rosen, and uh, Mayfield. But, again, I, I don't know. So you, uh, the bigger point is, for the Jets strategically, they had to feel comfortable with three of these quarterbacks and are thrilled to get any one of those three in. Obviously, there's a pecking order, but you really have to feel comfortable with three of them if you're going to make that move. And obviously, McCagnan, the general manager, was, was at recent pro days of Rosen and, and Mayfield, and I'm sure got to spend some additional time, and maybe that starts to factor into to that decision. And that's Todd McShay on with Darian Mel breaking down the trade yesterday, you know, a month early before the draft, and teams are already trading top five picks. Abdallah, before we wrap up here on Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, did you see the story yesterday from Glenn Davis? Glenn Big Baby Davis? Oh, we out here getting buckets, baby. <laughs> He's getting buckets. What? What happened? He got arrested? Getting buckets. We'll talk about that. And his video he posted after he got arrested yesterday. You got to hear this. That's next here on Chicago's Game Day. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can hear us every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. Thank you to Eric Ostrowski for producing the show today. And Abdallah, before we go, one last story. Police say former NBA player Glenn Baby Davis was arrested in Maryland in a hotel last month on drug possession and distribution charges. But for some reason, this was a story yesterday because of an Instagram post by Big Baby Davis. So they allegedly found him with 126 grams of marijuana and $92,000 in cash. Yesterday, yeah, it is. Big Baby Davis was on a plane eating a fresh bucket of chicken from Popeye's, talking about how good the chicken was, how many great the buckets they get. And in the background, had two open briefcases of cash. Uh, with his championship ring from the Celtics in the middle of it. Right in the middle. Um, here is the Instagram post from Big Baby Davis. Boy, Big Baby, man. Don't believe all on the internet. I will have my day in court. They just mad because a black man got money, man. Trying to keep a black man down, man. Hey, man, shout out Rollo, man. All those people, man, getting money, man. Get money, man. Might be illegal, man. A lot of jump shots. A whole lot of jump shots. Popeye chicken. Why is he doing a Chris Tucker impression? Rondo getting buckets, baby. Why not? We getting money, man. What's wrong with Chris Tucker? Thanks for producing the show, man. Appreciate you, Eric. Eric. Yes. No, he just called everybody man. The NCAA tournament is coming up next, man. Butler produced first, man. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. Oh, what?